0: You know, we talked about poker a moment ago, Uh, the best analogy I can have is if we could play poker and your cards are face up, I should win every time. Right. Right. (laughs) And so sales is the ability to have a conversation with the other person where they're opening up completely and you know how to navigate this conversation. Right. Mm. Once I can see your cards, I know how to navigate this conversation.
1: welcome to another episode of the wholesale elite podcast i am Aisham hip and i'm joined by my dude mr tanner santucci what up bro
2: what's up my guy
1: guys the legend is in the building mr steve <laughs> trang what's up sir
0: not a whole lot not a whole lot just staying after it just keep oh keep, keep keep fighting that good fight
1: yes sir right. absolutely this is incredible um we you know i, I I'm a, a ginormous um, fan of yours, and I don't know if it's awkward to, to say I'm a fan, but but I really am. You know, you've you've led the charge, uh, you paved the way uh, for people like Tanner and I uh, to be able to even do what we do and have the lifestyle that we have. Um, so I am honored to have you on today, and I cannot wait to to dive into your story. I, you know, obviously I've I've seen you a lot, um, and, and we've seen and heard from you a lot. Um, but we just, we really want to dig into this story. I'm sure there's some episodes out there uh, where you do share your story, but we mm-hmm. we want to
0: do it the wholesale elite way. So welcome to the show, yeah, sir. Absolutely. Well, it was an honor for me to be here and it was great meeting both of you guys uh, last Sunday, just a, ma- <laughs> a matter of fact, just a few days ago. So yeah. i excited to be here. <laughs> yeah, that was cool. And that
1: was unexpected. We had no clue that you were on the uh, the agenda. He, he rolled it out a couple days prior to, and we saw Steve Trang and then we saw, I think it said like sales disruptors or something. I thought it was going to be like a representative you know you know some people will come out and like pitch for for (laughs) the guy but the guy showed up and we're like holy crap steve's here so anything
0: anything jamil asks of me i'm in right that guy he mentored me right so anything he asks of me i'm in that's awesome that's awesome well well we're in we're we're
1: ready to go and ready to dive in and uh you know as as usual we like to start with origin stories and so i i'd love to 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 go back because your story is fascinating. You know, you, uh, we all share a, a really common passion for capitalism. Mm-hmm. Um, but our reasons for that are different and your reason seems to be way more impactful <laughs> and long-standing. Yeah. So I'd love to go back to the origin story and, and kind of hear, you know, how you became who, who you are right now.
0: Yeah. So and I appreciate you asking that. Uh, so I had, my my grandparents, so we're all from China. Uh, if you want to get like uh, really particular, we're from the Fujian province, uh, which is like the southeast corner. Like if you were to look, at maybe like Florida, you know, mm-hmm. like it's the southeast tip of China. And um, you know, many many decades ago, uh, communism became popular, and so communism kind of you know persisted and, and continued across the country. And at some point, right, affected my family, and they lost everything. And they were merchants, right? They weren't the farmers. They were the merchants, but they lost everything. Communism took everything away. And what they decided to do was flee. So they fled to Vietnam. And people from China fled all over uh, Southeast uh, Asia. Uh, The dialect, the the area I'm from Fujian is a dialect of Chinese I speak. And that dialect is actually pretty prevalent around most of Southeast Asia. Unfortunately, it's entirely entirely useless inside the United States. So Mm. I regret that that's the dialect that I learned. But anyway, (laughs) uh, so my grandparents all fled to Vietnam. And they, you know, they started anew, right? Had my parents started restarted their businesses. Uh, grandfather, grandfather on my mom's side was uh, selling scrap metal. Grandfather uh, on my dad's side uh, was a jeweler. And so they restarted everything. And then communism, again, came and took everything away. And so my parents uh, decided to flee. Uh, and in fleeing, you had to bribe, right? You had to buy your way out uh, of Vietnam. So they gave jewelry. Wow. Uh, To to flee. Vietnam. as a matter of fact, at one point, my dad tried to flee uh, without paying anyone off. And he got stuck into a prison for trying to flee. So uh, so my parents fled uh, and they go on these, you know, terrible boats, rickety boats. And like everyone was fleeing around the same time. And pirates would go out into the oceans and murder and rape. Right. Like these are real pirates. And so like this is a real thing of, you know, being uh, murdered and raped. So fortunately, none of those things happened to my parents. Uh, they came out. Ar- uh, there are people that came armed on those boats to, you know, as part of fleeing together. Ah, and so, right. uh, so they, they made it all the way to Malaysia. And when they made it all the way to Malaysia, um, they were basically saying like, "Hey, uh, you come onto this, you come onto our land, we will shoot you, because we're done with the refugees, and we were done." The Malaysian
1: government or the, the Malaysian, Malaysian
0: soldiers government. were instruct- were instructed to shoot if you try to come on to land, right? And so the people that are on my parents' boats sabotaged the boat so that we couldn't go back into the ocean. And so they had to take us in, but they took us in on, on, uh, only temporarily before they sent us back out. And when I say us, I'm talking about just my parents, right? Uh, but this is a humanitarian crisis, right? And all the world is paying attention, right? Because we've all seen footage of the helicopter leaving, right? This is a humanitarian crisis. And so uh, a lot of countries in Europe uh, sent their, uh, their ships and we were picked up by an Italian navy ship, and so uh, being picked wow. up in a navy ship, they took us into, uh, they dropped us off in a refugee camp in Italy, and that's where I was born. All right, so I was ah. born in a refugee camp in Italy, and we came to the United States uh, through sponsorships from uh, Christian families. So there was a church, I think it's uh, up in Flagstaff. They sponsored all of us to come out. They, you know, they're raising money as a church to sponsor families to come out to the United States again to you know deal with this crisis. And we came here. There's still picture. We have a picture of when we landed in Sky Harbor Airport that's the airport in Phoenix. And I'm just this little baby, right? Uh, so everything I know is America. Uh, and but the reason why I'm so pro capitalism <laughs> is because we've seen experience communism twice, and it was not a happy ending either way. It was not the Hollywood ending that they promised. Jeez,
1: yeah. what okay. I- So, question. uh, So, you were born a refugee. Was your mother pregnant throughout this whole travel uh, excursion, or did that happen at the refugee? I've never
0: asked that question. I probably should. (laughs) I've never asked that question. I Uh, see. I can't even imagine, like you know, how they would do it on the boats. I I, I don't know. I just never asked that question. (laughs) I see. Okay.
1: (laughs) Like, man, a lot of downtime in the refugee camp. Uh, Um, Probably. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Wow. Okay. So 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 capitalism. Now, I I just want to dig in a little bit on capitalism um, because I you know I don't know if I know anyone that that comes from a family with the stories yours at, at at all. But I don't I don't know if a lot of people you know would get the message from that as you know middle finger to um, to uh, communism. Let's go with capitalism. Mm-hmm. How come you focused on the capitalistic? aspect of this versus just you know uh good versus evil and you know things like that
0: well i mean i guess we can't really focus on the good versus evil because i can't really do anything about that right Uh, Right. but what i can do is i can make a lot of freaking money right right? and if i make a lot of money then other people will also appreciate the virtues of capitalism uh so I, i think you know the capitalism really spoke to me but also i'm also i'm really hardwired uh to do things my own way so you know i see I'm very, very libertarian. Like, I don't care right. what you do. Just leave me alone. Same. Right? Yep. And so uh, <laughs> I think that that capitalism and that libertarian streak is, is very, it goes hand in hand. So I can't control what people do. I can't control how they vote. I can't control their decisions. But what I can do is I can influence by, you know, you see a lot of these guys that write these books, right? If you're successful, you can help other people become successful. And it's through that success that you can get that that message out. So. Right, And that's the reason why I'm so uh, pro-capitalist. I think the other thing, too, is like, you know, I'm a college grad. I graduated uh, Arizona State in 2002, and I went to UC San Diego. I graduated a master's degree in 2003. And, like, even back then, I can see this steady trickle of indoctrination. And I was like, you guys are a bunch of idiots. (laughs) I don't know what you guys are talking about, but, again... This is not lined up with how I've experienced this world. It's not how I, this doesn't line up with how I perceive the world. Right. And so it, it just didn't make a lot of sense to me. So I think the, the harder they pushed me uh, left in college, it, it probably pushed me a little bit further. Right. Gotcha. Understandable.
1: I am. Um, so were, since you are, you know, a, a capitalist and, and, and had that mindset, were you were you the kid in school that was, you know,
0: selling candy and, oh, and yeah. gum
1: and were you that hustler?
0: <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, I was selling candy. Like in eighth grade, I was buying candy from uh, uh, Espinosa's. I'd buy them for a nickel each, sell them for a quarter. Uh, It didn't last very long um, because I got in trouble because you're not (laughs) supposed to sell school uh, candy on school property. I would do well on like tests and stuff, and like they give us candy, you know, as a reward for doing well. I sell the candy. Um, I remember in high school, sophomore year, uh, we were in uh, I think it was like algebra three, four. I was in the morning math class, and then there'd be a later math class, but like same subject material. But like I always did well in math, and so I would finish the test quickly, put all the answers in my calculator and save it as a TI eighty five, nice. and I would auction it off to whoever was willing to pay the most. <laughs> That's awesome.
1: <laughs> That's a new
0: one. Yeah, well, I heard that, that one. <laughs> That's yeah. good. But like, like in like seventh grade, I think you know I was getting Nintendo Power. And I would, like, take all the cheat codes from Nintendo Power. You know, I, I think one of them was, like, uh, all the fatalities, you know, right. like Mortal Kombat. Mortal Kombat, yeah. Right? So, you know, I, I put them all into a word processor on whatever computer my dad had, print them all. And I sold them at school, all the fatalities, I think, for seven bucks. Right? In, shit. In, in middle school.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> I'm always envious of you people that were hustlers when you were young. like i I had zero entrepreneurial you know bones in me. I I, did, yeah. I was probably the the dummy that was buying
0: the candy. Yeah. <laughs> well, a- it probably helped a lot that my parents were poor, right? Mm. It helped that they were poor, but they were also very open. Like we talked about money. Mm. Uh, money was a, was not a taboo topic in our family. As a matter of fact, it's the opposite of taboo. Uh, my grandmother, um, uh, who took over the jewelry business when my grandfather passed, uh, she was, you know, for better or for worse, the queen of gossip. So she knew exactly how much everyone in the family made, and so everyone knew how much everyone in the family made. Wow! No, right? secret. like,
3: <sighs> no <laughs>
0: secrets. So like it was the anti-taboo topic. Everyone just talked about money
1: are you still that way where you're pretty open with your finances and whatnot? Uh,
0: well, this might be the reason why I'm so open when I talk on podcasts and this and that, but no, like that is definitely changed. (laughs) Uh, What do you, my grandmother passing? Okay. Uh, I think because we all became Americanized. Mm. I think, I think, uh, you know, we got this blend like immigrant and, uh, in, in a new country. I think you, you have to assimilate. You have to become accustomed, you know, to the, to, to the culture. I mean, as a matter of fact, when I came to this country, right, Steve was not my name, obviously, right? But when I get, when I became naturalized as a citizen at five years old, my parents were saying, hey, you're starting kindergarten next year. We should have an American name. Uh, and so they went to my cousin and she asked him, like, she asked her, like, what, they asked her, what were your favorite American names? She's like, well, I like two names, Steve and Desmond. So they came to me, Steve, which one you want? I was like, I'll take Steve.
1: <laughs> you got to pick <laughs> your own name?
0: I got to pick my own name before That's kindergarten. That's pretty cool. <laughs> my mom tells
1: me it was either going to be Isham or Gary. I was like, "Those are two <laughs> shitty <laughs> options." <laughs> Those cannot be any more different. Yeah, I was like, "What?" So yeah, I didn't get the choice. I probably would have went Gary, knowing what I know now. But no, Isham's a fun conversation piece. Yeah. Um, man, okay, so. Uh, so you, you, you went to college, um, and then you, you, you said you got your master's like a year later.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. were you
1: just incredibly smart? Cause I mean, that's, that's tough to get your grad,
0: you know, and done in a year. Yeah. I mean, I don't brag about it, but I like to think, I like sure. to think I'm pretty smart. Yeah. So I like, was hoping
1: you were going to say you, you use the, the, your TI
0: calculator or something. <laughs> I mean, we had to use calculators, that's for sure. So, um, when I. The way I described it, I went to Arizona State University and went to UC San Diego. The reason why, and I'm not a great basketball player, but the reason why I am as skilled or as quality as I am at basketball is because the basketball games were super intense at Arizona State. Right, like they were gifted in sports. Academics though wasn't really hard, so I got a full ride to UC San Diego. Right, so like academically wasn't that challenging. Uh, uh, physically very challenging, right? So then I go to UC San Diego and I'm playing basketball there. And, like, they're terrible. Right? <laughs> but academically, man, that was hard. Fresh. So I went from someone that is, like, top tier, right, uh, compared to my fellow Americans. And then when I went to UC San Diego, that's when I got to see, like, what real smart people are, right? Because, like, mm. in order to make it into the U.S., you got to be top tier in your country, right? So I'm going against, like, the smartest people from India, Korea, Taiwan, uh, was it Switzerland, Nigeria, China? Right. So, like, I had to go against the best yeah, of the best. I, had, I had to, to really, stick. I had to dig deep.
1: That's incredible. <laughs> the uh, okay, you, so so you're you're in college now. It, well, actually, you graduate college. We'll, we'll we'll start off there. And how? Because I believe you have an engineering background, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. Okay. How did that transfer to real estate?
0: Uh, it didn't transfer at all. Uh, (laughs) so I would say the biggest thing that engineering helps is critical thinking. Sure. Uh, critical thinking, hypothesizing, seeing what works, what doesn't work and, you know, adjusting quickly. And we operate only on data. Feelings are irrelevant. right? Right. What does the data tell us? And so where it helps is that, uh, I can think critically. I've got organized thinking. Um, and it's either, it either it is or it isn't, and there's no room for feelings. So I think that's, what's helped. It doesn't help on the sales side, uh, but it helps as a business owner. I see. I see.
1: Um, how, okay. So, uh, did you, so you went into
0: engineering, I'm I'm assuming you did that. Yeah. For I worked day? at, yeah, I worked for Intel, uh, for three and a half years.
1: Oh, no kidding. Um, uh, what'd you do after Intel?
0: Realtor. How,
1: how did that happen?
0: Uh, well, we all read some, or a lot of us have read "Rich Dad, Poor Dad," right? That, that was like the sure. one that like flips a switch. Right? <laughs> so we start buying, start buying rental properties with a W two income, you know. And along the way, I meet this real estate broker, and I was like, "What do you do exactly? And how much money do you make?" He's like, "Well, I make a hundred thousand plus, and you know, I just talk to people all day." And at this moment, I'm thinking, "Well, I'm a lot smarter." than all these other people that are real estate agents, I should be able to just step in and crush. I didn't. But that was what I, uh, my my confidence w- was was directing me. And so I came in. I didn't crush. Didn't help that I started in 07, right? Started middle of 07. Mm. Uh, but what also didn't help was that people don't buy based off of, of what you know. they based off of how they feel. Mm. And so I could explain anything and everything about a real estate transaction, right? but I can never get you the feelings that you wanted to feel so that you would buy. So that's mm. what, that was my greatest weakness. So it took a lot to learn how to talk to a person such that they'll feel the feelings they need to feel versus knowing what they need to know. Right.
2: So when you started in real estate, being an engineer, you know, did you have the people skills that it took? Like, did you feel comfortable, you know, talking to people you didn't know? Cause
0: engineers have that stigma of, yeah. You're an engineer. Sure. So yeah. I, I completely know what you mean. So I was an engineer and I did well there, but I wasn't wired like an ordinary engineer. So what I found when I was an engineer, like I would be up in Sacramento, right? I worked when I first worked at Intel, we were up in, in Folsom just outside of Sacramento. I was like, guys, let's go out. Let's go get drinks. Let's go talk to girls. Right. And they're like, no, I'm playing World of Warcraft. Like, <laughs> <laughs> but... We can't, you know, do those other things. we were playing World of Warcraft. <laughs> right. 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 And so what ended up happening was to go out, I would be hanging out with not not my coworkers. I'd actually be hanging out with other people that I met through basketball. Right. So that I can go mm-hmm. out. So I didn't fit in really as an engineer because I'm not as introverted. Right. But then when I got into sales, I also found out I'm not as extroverted. Right. So I'm somewhere, Mm. you know, uh, I used to think I was on the 40 yard line, you know, every time I'm introvert, extrovert, you know, 40 yard line on a football field. But Jamil's like, nah, you're like, you're like 20. It's like, okay, well, (laughs) but I'm still, but I'm still not, you know, uh, I'm not really, really quiet. So uh, being willing to talk to people was never a problem. Uh, The thing that my friends always laughed at was whenever we went out, I would always go straight to the the hottest girl at the club, right? Like there was never like... (laughs) should i do it or should I not do it there wasn't like maybe i'll talk to this, this girl like it was just straight beeline it's the most Dang.
1: What do what do you attribute your confidence
0: to um i think it's just knowing that it doesn't hurt to get a rejection mm. right it's just again all feelings aside <laughs> it it doesn't hurt to get a rejection like your ego gets busted a little bit sure. but who cares right sure. like you can you can recover that just a little more alcohol that fixes that problem. Right, right.
1: <laughs> okay, so so you're an agent now, and you're realizing, man, I need to I need to I need to get better at sales. I, I need to get better at uh, influencing someone's mind, their their beliefs. I, I believe that's what you said. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, people buy on emotion, uh, not on, on logic. And so, well,
0: I didn't know this yet. So okay. at this time, I didn't know this yet. All I know is I was getting stumped on. And I need to think about it. So what I did is like, okay, we have a problem here. Steve's not good at sales. Steve's good at marketing, getting leads, getting people raising their hands, good at systems, but not good at sales. So I was like, all right, I'm going to continue focusing on the leads I'm continue focusing on operations. And I was going to hire a bunch of pushy salespeople. That's what I did. Cause I believe that's what it took. Right. So how,
2: what, what do you credit your, cause now you have a sales course. So what do you credit mm-hmm.
0: your sales ability? Like what, How did you learn to become a good salesperson? So Pace Morby, right, is another friend. Um, And so there was a time where when I had the brokerage, who was my contractor. So he was Mm. my contractor and I own a brokerage. I'm wholesaling. He's wholesaling. He's not telling me that he's wholesaling. I'm not telling him that I'm wholesaling, (laughs) right? It's just I'm a broker. He's a contractor. And then I get wind that he's a homebuster guy. I was Mm. like, Pace. You're a homebuster guy. Like, send me your deals. Like, I I can't. It's like, why not? It's like I gotta send in two people. Jamil's one. I was like, okay, but like, let me be the third guy. <laughs> right? And I keep, <laughs> and I keep, you know, bothering him and harassing him, right? And one day he's like, Steve, you're trying to buy deals from homebuster guys. Like, yeah. Like, I don't know how to make this any more clear. And he says, Well, there's a place where all the homebuster guys hang out every Friday, and I was like, Wait a minute. There's a place where all the homebuster guys are every Friday. It's like yeah, it's like where's that? It's like <laughs> I was in Sandler. It's like I'm there, right? And so I call up the guy, and I was like, I want to join. He's like, why? It's like, because there's a bunch of home investor guys in there, and I know if I'm in that room, I'm gonna buy a lot of houses, right? right. Like, I'm going to hunt where the fish are. Sure. Yep. And for me, I was willing to pay 20k on the spot to join the room because there's no way I don't make 20k right in right. the room. As a matter of fact, I made twenty k in that room. I want to say like a month and a half into it.
3: Nice, right? So like
0: in my mind, like I don't care what it costs, I'm going to be in there, and it costs like seven thousand, which so it was a steal in my opinion. Um, but I go in there. I don't know what Sandler is. I don't even care what Sandler is. I just want to hang out with all the Homebuster guys. As I'm there, I was like, this trainer guy, he's pretty good. <laughs> this guy is unlocked sales for me you know because like i've read the books right we've read never split the difference we've read um i can't list all the books right now you know but like i've read all the sales books you know spin selling whatever i read all the sales books up until that point and i've applied them and they've worked but man like that one sales trainer he just kind of put it all together where then things just clicked and that was when I learned how to sell effectively. It was just because I'm in a room full of other home investor guys learning how to buy houses deep. And mm. so this guy's teaching Sandler's selling system, which is a wonderful system, which is a large chunk, a significant chunk of our sales comes from that. Right. But what we did, is we took that, we took other things we've learned. We go in the living room, we apply it, we figure out what works, what doesn't work. And that's the evolution. So like right now, our latest iteration of what we sell in our sales training today is from what I learned from Sandler, all these other books, applying, going to the living room and then having the good fortune to train the best in the country, right? Because I'm the the trainer inside Collective Genius. I get to train the best in the country and I get to just update our curriculum so that it is the most updated, most current version and most effective. Awesome.
1: So, um, okay, so with the with the sandler sales trait, like you said you would read all the books at this point and now you're talking to this guy and he just unlocks it what mm-hmm. was it that he delivered that was so different that was so impactful
0: um so the books are great cuz the books tell you the theory they tell you what to say right and what to say is really important but what's more important than what to say is how to say it hmm mm-hmm. And so you read the books, you can, get the what? you can get the words, right? You can have all the words. You can have the best scripts on the planet. And I believe in scripts, right? It's not that not, not bad on scripts. You can have all that. But if you can't say it the right way, it doesn't matter, right? Mm-hmm. Like, uh, you know, I got a chance to listen to Chris Voss speak at a private event. And one of the things he said was um, good tonality can make up for poor choice of words. Mm. but good words cannot make up for lack of tonality gosh mm. that's
1: so good that is so good <laughs> one uh one of the guys on our team i'm sure or uh, uh, tanner's the same way we've we've got one guy on our team who he's he's just a monster like he's he's fearless he's that guy that can just keep getting punched in the face and he's 19 and he just keeps going and we're like, man, I mean, we, we, we bought and read as a team, uh, you can't teach a kid to ride a bike at a seminar, yeah. um, which is, I that, forgive me for turning around and, uh, on my mic, you're good. but um, so we, we bought that book and we just dug through it. And I think we're experiencing exactly what you're talking about because we, you know, we, we learned some good things, but then we would, or he, I, I should say, would try to put them in the practice, mm-hmm. kept hitting the wall. And, uh, yeah. and so thankfully we met you this past weekend and I'm sure we'll, we'll, we'll go more into sales training in your sales training in a little bit, yeah. but so good. I'm, I'm fascinated to know that we're in the right spot. Um, with, with, with that being said, um, you, you seemed to, like looking back through your life based on what you told me, there's like a theme of like consistency. You know, you do stuff, it seems, seems like for a decent amount of time, you know, going to school, getting your undergrad and, you know, you're self-aware and you're consistent. Have you always been consistent or is that a, a muscle that you had to build?
0: Well, I'm glad you guys say that. Uh, I don't feel like I'm consistent and my best friends think I'm grossly inconsistent. Yeah. <laughs> but but for the, from the outside, it looks like I'm a consistent person. That's a hard worker. Right? That's what it always looks like. And I get that feedback all the time. My default state is not consistent or hardworking. It's just that's what it takes. That's just okay. It's just what it takes, you know? So, like, I'm a very process-oriented person. Uh, so, like, when I was going through sales training, I was going there two hours uh, every Tuesday, 90 minutes on Wednesdays, 90 minutes on Fridays, right? I'm, just, I'm all in on this. Uh, Kung fu, right? I am absolutely uh, adamant, but we got to do this the right way. And I don't have to be. Right, because if I wasn't, my Sifu would let me know, and then he'll just like slap me around. So like, right? But I am committed to process basketball. You know, I actually got like the best backhanded compliment out of the other day. <laughs> right, because I made that little highlight reel. Right, he's like, hey, Steve. Oh, yeah. Right, he's like, I can tell. Like, you got a really good jump shot and pump fake, and you probably probably needed to to make up for your lack of of uh, athleticism. It's like, thank you. Ouch. <laughs> 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 thank you. <laughs> <laughs> right. But what, what was it though? Like I'm committed to mastering fundamentals and processes because we know if we can master processes and fundamentals, everything else takes care of itself. Same thing with poker, right? Like I tried to be a professional poker player. I mastered or I did my best to master the process and fundamentals. And then I got creative and then I started adding my own flavor to it, adding my own personality to it. And that's the same thing with sales, right? It's just everything I do. I am committed to mastering the fundamentals to the best of my ability before we add our our own flavor to it, which is hard because most of us want to add our flavor to it from the get-go. Yeah, that's, that's me.
1: And, you know, hearing you, like you gave us a demonstration when we were at the event this past week and we asked you a question about, hey, how do we handle this one thing? And, you know, we stepped into the hall and and you you explained kind of in a role playing scenario what that sounds like. And it's funny because I've heard you say that like 16 other times. And it was like, why didn't that stick? And Mm -hmm. so I'm assuming it's just you know consistent it's it's saying the same thing over and over and over again now mm-hmm. how do you how do you say how do you get good at saying the same thing over and over and over again without sounding
0: like you're used to saying it over and over and over again um I'm just looking at so I want to win right and I know if this is what it takes to win then this is what I'll do. Right, so it's really what it comes down to. Um, because it kind of goes back to like I'm an introvert, right? We talked about by nature I'm 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 an uh, introvert, but I'm willing to put myself out there. And I was actually talking to a consultant about that. I was like, explain this to me, right? It says very clearly that I'm an introvert, and yet you see me doing all these things. And he's like, like why is that? He's like, oh, it's easy. It's like what is it? It's like your desire to win will outweigh every other factor, right? So for me, it's like it's like poker. Like, I know this is the optimal way to play the hand. I will play that hand that way every single time. There will be, no, there will be zero deviation. If this is the optimal way to do it, I'll do that way every single time. I don't have any desire to modify it because, again, winning is the ultimate objective. It's the right. ultimate outcome. And by the way, when I say winning, feelings are irrelevant. Right. I don't care how the feeling, I don't care if it's uncomfortable. These things are irrelevant. Hmm. I only care if I do this, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is. If it gets me the outcome I want, nothing else matters.
1: That's so impressive. Hmm. Your, your desire to win is massive. Um, I obviously, were your parents competitive people? Like, did they show you this way or where did this no. desire come from?
0: Uh, I think, I think probably a good, good chunk of it is hardwiring. you know, is, is how we're, how we're born. But then also uh, uh, my best friend is is ultra competitive. Um, And so, you know, we played a lot of sports and played a lot of video games. And I think that's just what it is. And it's funny, you know, you're looking back. This is not this is not a good thing about me. Right. Like looking back (laughs) when we were playing video games, it wasn't about winning. It was about him losing and how angry he would be and how funny that was to me. (laughs)
1: right and like me kind of like i love it
0: it was about me like celebrating the wins and like you know whatever i could say to just make him angrier that's what <laughs> it was about it wasn't about winning it was about him losing and you know uh there's a book um it was uh tim grover relentless right he talks about the dark side of of, of cleaners right like the guys that like you know the Kobe Bryant's michael jordan this and that like they got a dark side to them and mm. it's those that can embrace it and so like for me, you know, I talk about about winning and we talk about collaboration and this and that, but I'd be lying to you if I didn't say, if I said that it doesn't feel good to watch the other guy kind of like walk away mm. with, his, with his head down, head, right. head down, shoulders down. Do you think that being ultra
1: competitive is almost a prerequisite for success in the world of real estate?
0: I don't think it's prerequisite but it certainly helps. Yeah. Uh, you were talking about a 19-year-old that can get punched in the face all day. Uh, so that competitive nature is very closely correlated with independent uh, and and competitive nature. Mm. And so that competitive nature is what allows you to get beat up over and over again, right? Because you want to figure this out. Right. Uh, you want to solve this problem. And your, your willingness to go through the fire, even though you face rejection and failure over and over again, there's this very, very strong correlation between willingness to go into the fire over and over again, and competitiveness, right? Because if you didn't, if you didn't have this strong desire to conquer it, why would you keep going through it?
1: It's true. Mm. Okay. What's what's one of the last things you did that was out of your comfort zone?
0: Uh, I mean, I would say uh, lives, right? Going live on camera. So uh, let's see. It was 2018, right, when I started going li- doing Facebook lives. Uh, and I actually had a coach mentor, you know, Darren Hardy back in 2016, nice. I paid a lot of money to go to this event, you know, uh, and I'm at this event and he gives like, he has like this little, like he has his book of marketing. It's like this thick, right? It's like how to run an effective business two and a half day workshop. This is the binders this thick. And one of them was uh, you had to be the face of the company or the company has to have a face. And unfortunately the way things were working, I couldn't have someone be the face. It just didn't make sense because right. uh, I didn't have any, any. I didn't have anyone that could be a spokesperson that wasn't an independent contractor. Everyone that I had working with me was an independent contractor. So it would be risky to make them the face of the company, right? At least without, not without giving them equity. right? So I embraced it. I was like, all right, I'm going to be the face. I don't want to be. So I would say the last thing is putting myself out there. And it's not because of the rejection because I get rejected all day. Again, it's no big deal. I have people call me fat, whatever. It doesn't bother me the, the least bit. It's just I would rather watch other people I'm supporting win. So it's not that Steve has to win in, in the game of business, uh, but I want other people to win. And unfortunately, in this day and age, the only way for people around me to win is that I have to be the face of the company.
2: I wasn't expecting that that answer, to be honest with you, because after you explaining how confident you are, I feel like mm-hmm. that would have been something that you would have wanted to do. Um, right. So but remember up, also...
0: But remember, also, I'm, I'm an introvert by nature, right? So, um, you know, I worked for my mentor for, for, I think, five years before I went off on my own. And one thing I learned about myself is that I am the, although I'm ultra competitive, my team has to win. I want my team mm-hmm. to win, right? I don't have to win. My team, my team has to win. And so I've always been the guy that I will be whoever you need me to be, right? So like using sports, I'm not a rebounder, right? But if there's a good rebounder on the other side, I'll make sure he doesn't get rebounds. I will box him out. Nice. Right. He won't get rebounds. I'm not going to get the rebound, but he won't get <laughs> rebounds. Right. 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 Um, smart. Uh, defense. Right. I'm not going to, I'll never shut anybody down. Someone's a good score. They're a good score. Right. But what I can do is make him tired. Right. He's going to have to earn every single point, whether through free throws or moving more than he wanted to move. But uh, I'm not athletic, but I will make you work. Right. I might be, you know, hand checking quite a bit. Right? <laughs> it is what it is, but like I will be whoever the team needs me to be for us to win. So I don't need the MVP, right? I just need us to win. So I was totally fine being number two at a company uh, and, and helping a company win. Just unfortunately uh, that, that previous uh, mentor didn't want to put in the work for him to be number one for us to win.
1: I see you. Um, So, you know, kind of going back to when when you're in sales and you really wanted to get better at it because you realized that was the that was kind of, you know, the the one thing that you're missing. Um, I've I've learned just throughout reading a bunch of books and stuff that, you know, don't focus on your weaknesses, focus on Mm -hmm. your strengths, right? Your weaknesses, your weaknesses, leave those alone, focus on your strengths but it seems like you went all in on your weaknesses and now you've got mm-hmm. a company built out around that. Is that yeah. a myth? Is that, is that whole saying just kind of bullshit or what are your thoughts on no, focusing
0: on? I don't think so. So even though sales was my biggest weakness, the reason why it was my biggest weakness is because it wasn't taught properly. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, if I have to be, if I have to sell you like uh timeshares or like a nice car or watches, it would still be my weakness because there. I need to be able to transfer emotion. I need to be able to transfer excitement, right? Um, Selling coaching, right? I need to sell you on this dream, right? In those instances, that would be my weakness because I can't transfer emotions just because I have limited emotions, right? Right. But buying houses, this is just being super empathetic, it's being understanding and introspective, understanding uh, the other person and feeling connection and trust. And if that's Mm -hmm. the case, I don't have a weakness here because I can understand your world. I can understand your pain. I can see where you're coming from. Right. So, um, so it was a weakness only because it was never taught properly for me or uh, the way it was taught was not delivered effectively enough for me. Um, so I still, I still believe you should never uh, focus on your weaknesses uh, uh, specifically because if you're focused on your weaknesses. It's not just, the the least effective use of your time, but also you're going to experience more burnout. Right. 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 Uh, So um, for me, I think I turned my weakness into a strength, but it was only because I didn't learn it the right way. Do
1: you think that you can teach, not you specifically, but just someone can be taught to be more empathetic. Is is that a, is that a a thing that you can increase in yourself if you lack empathy?
0: Uh, Yeah, I think so. Uh, I, I think it's gonna be hard. Uh, for some for certain people but you know you just gotta plug into their why right again um mm-hmm. uh, you know you look at the uh, the disc right you got d-i-s-c you know the desire to win the drive right. right you've got the drive you'll figure out how to be empathetic right uh the i which is the social approval well if you want to be liked you know this is what it takes to be liked <laughs> you're gonna get better at it um the drive to uh, the the driving the s right the uh the inconsistent uh inconsistency with the process might have a problem with it but you got to look at you know again you know the other things the outcome the desired outcome right and then then analytical people i think can can be empathetic so long as they got emotional intelligence that's the challenge there um but yeah i think you can figure out how this helps them and then once you figure out how this helps them they can they can more consistently follow that process follow that 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 tactic and, and technique
1: i see okay that that makes sense that 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 gives hope because there's there's times you know tanner and i were were talking we're like man we really you know we're we're in the relationship business um you know in in real estate and more specifically to our niche we we do land only Mm -hmm. um and it's it's an it's an interesting dynamic because in land Um, it's purely transactional, you know, there's Mm -hmm. zero emotion, you know, attached to that person's land, but in order to, to win that transaction, you've got to, you've got to win them over emotionally. Like you've got to develop a relationship with, with, with our sellers. And, and so we, we rely really heavily on someone's EQ when they're joining our team. So we're, we're, we're almost just looking for that one thing, you know, are, can you connect with someone emotionally? Do you think that's kind of the wrong way to approach hiring in terms for, for real estate acquisition guys and things like that? Or uh,
0: I don't think it's wrong. I would just say that it's probably more you want to have to it. Uh, so I think emotional intelligence is, is super important. Uh, I think also they have to have, uh, a why, you know, uh, if you don't have a why to be successful you're not going to do what you need to do, right? Cause like sales is not a job that you just kind of like, Oh, you know, I'll just do this. Like you, you're getting abused all day, every day. So right, you need to have right. a purpose, <laughs> right? In order to be willing the willingness to do that. Uh, I think on top of emotional intelligence, something you have to learn as well, uh, emotional intelligence and, and drive. Uh, you're going to have to learn, you know, some, some wittiness, some bantering. Uh, we, one of the shows we do is pardon the disruption. Mm-hmm. It's a lot of fun. Love it. And, yeah, uh, and, and those guys are really witty, <laughs> and that helps in the living room. Sure. Right? Like, oh, yeah. uh, RJ Bates, right? Like, he and I <laughs> – I think he gets picked on the most in the show, I think. sometimes Absolutely yeah. does, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it's but,
1: between him and CJ. <laughs> yeah,
0: right? But if you look at it, he doesn't have a traditional sales process, and it doesn't matter because he has – a comeback for everything the seller says, Yep, which is great. It's just not a repeatable skill or it's not Mm. a skill that can be easily trained. Right. Sure. Yeah. And so, so for him, uh, he's got that wittiness. So that's something to be good to have. Right. So like for me, I enjoy the ability to, to talk trash. Uh, if you're working on my sales team. Right
1: what's your advice for someone who maybe should or needs to increase their 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 wit because yes maybe the, you know they're sitting in a bunch of living rooms and they need to be able to think quickly on their feet
0: mm-hmm. um what's your advice for those people that that struggle with that um i think the easiest answer is joining a toastmasters i've never been a member but i've attended one event um they they do a lot of impromptu speaking we're like hey i um, all right, it's your turn to talk. Give me a five minute presentation on, um, on jackets. Hmm. Oh wow, wow! Right, and just on the spot, you gotta you, you gotta make a five minute presentation about jackets. All right. it's called Toastmasters. Um,
2: toast. Toastmasters. Yeah, Toastmasters.
0: All right. Uh, so I think that's one spot. Uh, another thing is we used to play this game in our office where like we got uh, these little poker chips, and anytime someone asked you a question and you answered it, you had to give up the poker chip. Right? You're not allowed to answer the first question. You had to find out what the question is behind the question. You know, you must be asking me that for a reason. Oh, how come you asked me that question right now? What were you hoping to hear? Right. Like, but you, if you answered the question, you lost the chip. Mm. So uh, in our office, we're playing the game where if you answered a question with an answer, you lost your chip.
1: Interesting. So you, you, you need to you have to answer it with another question.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: What's the purpose the of that the question? Uh, because people are unable to ask the question they want to ask. Uh, you know, the, the common example I think in our business is how long you've been in business and he's like, Oh yeah, you know, I've been in business for three years. Well, that does absolutely nothing to address the seller's concerns. Sure. Right. Mm-hmm. So like how long have you been in the business? Well, you know, that's an interesting question. You must be asking for a reason. Well, I just want to make sure that whoever is buying my house actually can buy my house. Hey, that ah. makes total sense. Uh, you know, what would you need to see? Uh, or here, if you feel comfortable knowing that we're the right people to buy your house? Well, if you can show me a bank statement, a list of houses you bought, some testimonials, whatever. Okay, so if I can show you some testimonials, at that point you would feel comfortable that we are able to buy your house. Yes, great. You give them the testimonials, right? But how long have you been in the business? And show me all the testimonials are very different <laughs> questions, or the answer they want is very different than the question that they asked.
2: Sure,
1: mm-hmm. sure. So okay, um, well let's transition into the sales training talk. Now. I mean, I guess we've, mm-hmm. we've been on it for a little bit, but yeah. Um, w- why why you? There's tons of sales training out mm-hmm. there. You know, you've got a real estate business, you've got all this other stuff. Why start a sales training business? So why did
0: I start a sales training business, yes, or why sir? did someone work with us? Uh, no, no. Why Why did you start? Uh, so I saw a need, right. I had a, you were talking about, you know, engineering, right? So right. had a hypothesis, had a theory that people needed it. And so uh, I had Max Maxwell on my podcast in 2018. Uh, and he's like, hey, you know, I'm throwing an event together. Uh, coming up in March, uh, would you be interested in coming speak? I was like, uh, yes, of course. Be willing to come speak. Uh, and so I spoke <laughs> and I was like, well, I'm going to put a presentation together on sales. And it's, uh, it's just going to be how we run our sales appointments right now. That's all it is, right? And it's going to be my tester. And hey, if they love it, we have something to sell. If they don't love it, well, that was just another bad idea I had. It's no big deal, right? Okay. And so I do the presentation, got massive, uh, uh, I got raving uh, feedback, have people posting on Instagram, hey, I use Steep Train's line, and I got this contract. Uh, I got all this overwhelmingly positive feedback. And then people asking, hey, can you help us do it? To which, again, the answer is, of course right so we do our first event we charge a thousand a head and i was nervous you know i was so excited i think we sold 22 people right a thousand heads like oh man this is gonna be so awesome say all right so this is the the seed this is the proof of concept just like when you close your first wholesale deal i was like all right we got something here uh let's run with it
1: interesting Hmm. okay uh, and how long ago was that? You said 2018, Max Maxwell.
0: 2019 was uh, okay. was uh, uh, wholesaling Elite Live.
1: I saw on your site recently that it looks like you. Uh, I don't know if it's recently, but it looks like you partnered with Ren Bartlett. Yes, that's correct. What um, What was the the purpose behind that, or, or the you know the story behind that?
0: Yeah, so Ren is someone I've known since 2020, and when I first met him, he was really int- intimidating guy. Yeah. Um, but when I spoke with him, I could see like this guy knows how to lead salespeople. So um, salespeople are very special, right? We're we're really difficult to manage. Right. We're highly independent, and we don't think rules apply to us, right? So and and I say that identifying as the same profile, right? I'm very independent. <laughs> rules don't apply to right. me either. <laughs> yep. And so then, how do you manage a bunch of people that uh, are uh, don't believe the rules apply to them? And so I saw Ren uh, ran an organization where they're doing 120 plus wholesale deals a month. Hmm. And in order to do that, uh, he had 50 salespeople, six sales managers, one sales director. I said, okay, well, like I want to do this sales management training program. He's the guy, but I'm not going to talk to him. He has a business partner. Like that would be like a gross violation. And so july of last year he and his partner broke up shortly after my partner and i broke up right um and when he broke up i was like hey i've got this idea i think you're the guy want to do this he's like yeah let's do it so that's how this all came about it was just um learning the tactics the strategies and tactics on how to lead an effective and accountable sales force
1: I see. Okay. Wow. That, I guess that's our next purchase. (laughs) That's a, that's uh, okay. That's, that's incredible. And and that hasn't been going on for too long, right? Has it less than a year,
0: less than a year. It's going pretty well. Uh, you know, I think we picked a a horrible time (laughs) to launch it. (laughs) uh okay. last year was not the time for people to be spending money so ah. uh but you know we're seeing a ma- major uptick so we got a lot of people interested now so you know fortunately the markets turn around and things have changed uh awesome. but yeah awesome uh awesome. so yeah Perfect. i i fully anticipate this could be for me i consider this to be the flagship product um and, and by the way it's not limited to wholesale right like uh mm. the we're marketing towards uh, wholesale industries but Salespeople are crazy. It Doesn't matter what vertical you're in,
1: <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> they all need management. Um, yeah. So you mentioned a few times that that you you're emotionless or mostly emotionless. What what are some things that you do have emotions for?
0: Uh, sports, okay. um, right? I mean, you can't hide the feelings in sports. Uh, beyond that, there really isn't. Um, a lot of emotions. So I actually have. Uh, give me a second here.
1: For anyone so a, who's uh, who's who's on audio, he just grabbed a thing that looks like a ginormous crayon.
0: <laughs> yeah. So uh, we had Larry Yatch. Uh, he he's a former Navy SEAL. He came in and coached our team uh, last okay. year, uh, and he just coaching our team. We we're talking about how he also has a lack of feelings. And so he's learning his emotions. Okay. Right? And so my team's like, Steve, you only have one emotion and it's anger, right? Oh, so, <laughs> so they made me a red <laughs> anger crayon.
2: <laughs> is that what it says <laughs> on it on the side right there? Anger? This is anger. That's
0: yeah. awesome. and, and look, I've never been angry in the office. So uh, it's really, you know, I was, I was kind of sharing the story that I had with my, you know, talking to the SEAL talking to my kids and like dad you do have two feelings two emotions like okay what are they they're like anger and disappointment It's like oh okay oh <laughs> that's funny. Now, we got
1: to meet your your lovely gorgeous daughters um yeah. are, is that all your kids
0: yeah all three girls were at the event last sunday
1: dude for someone who's not an emotional person to have three girls that's mm-hmm. uh that's impressive how do you it's pull that off at home your wife's got to like bear the weight of all the emotion in the house <laughs>
0: Uh, well, I mean, the first isn't very emotional. Um, the second is very empathetic, and the third is very emotional, so that's the one I worry about. But Uh, the first one is just a a little version of me. That's awesome, yeah. I'm not as worried about her, (laughs) although she's turning 13 this year, so who knows?
1: (laughs) I, um, I, I'm curious that, you know, you mentioned a few books um, and it's one of the questions that you ask uh, your guests on your show, but I, I'd love mm-hmm. to ask you, what's a book that you've referred, uh, referred to other people's more than any other?
0: Uh, recently, it's been Rigging the Game. Um, it's, uh, it's about playing the game, uh, stacking a deck in your favor. Okay. Uh, one thing that happens a lot, particularly right now in this age of social media, is we see what other people have and we want the same thing too. And there's no judgment if that's what you want. The question is, you got to ask first, is that what you really want? Right. Because that's what you really want. Then go for it. Right. Like if you really want a Lamborghini, go get a Lamborghini. Right. But right. most of us, do we really want a Lamborghini or do we want the, the results that allow you to afford a Lamborghini? Right. Okay. And is that and what so, that
1: book goes over?
0: Uh, the book goes over understanding yourself. I understanding see. how you make decisions, understanding your biases, uh, how you sabotage yourself on a regular basis.
3: Mm.
0: So uh, for me, I'm a quick start, right? Like, hey, do you want to do this? Yes. You want to speak on stage in front of a thousand people? Yes. I've never done that before, but yes, right? right. You want to launch a sales training program? Yes. Do you want to do this? Yes. So my bias is to take action quickly. And it's cool when it works, right? <laughs> but you waste a lot of time and resources when you don't. Right. And so that's where we got to be careful. Like, hey, before we dedicate resources to this, what kind of information could we gather to make sure this is actually an intelligent move? Another one of my favorite books is uh, The Road Less Stupid by Keith Cunningham. Hmm. And the question he asked in that book is like, if you can go back in time and erase the three dumbest financial decisions you made, where would you be? And I could say without a doubt, be retired by now. Really? Oh, yeah. Right. But I can't. But now it kind of goes back to like just thinking through before you make your decisions. Well, I'm so that, a great start. So yeah. that's that's me. I'm the
2: the yes man. Yeah. Let's Quite go. <laughs> Where are we so going? Did, Let's go. I know. <laughs> Hop in. Come
1: on. Yeah. Nowhere to go. <laughs> All right, we're in the car. Where are we going? I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> um, so so that book, I mean, if, if you if you don't mind, like what's, what's one of the things that if you, you know, were to erase it, you'd be a millionaire. What's, what's, what's one of those mistakes. And then like, what did you learn from reading that book and applying that to that
0: mistake? Uh, so the biggest mistake, if I can undo, right. It's not really regret, but if I can undo this decision sure, was when I first got into the business in 2007, I went to a RIA, right. RIA, it's the biggest RIA in the country. So Arizona RIA. So I'm walking around at this event and he got like, I think it's like the active funding group, I think it's the name of the company. Right. And like hard money lender, 18 percent. And I'm there with my mentor. I was like, 18 percent, that's stupid. It's like a credit card, yeah. right? Like, why would anyone ever pay 18 percent on a loan? And he's like, well, they use it to buy houses. It's like, well, that's even worse. Like how much what are those payments like? <laughs> right. Um, but if I had to do it all over again, I would have bought a lot of houses for thirty to fifty thousand dollars with eighteen percent hard money, mm. because on day one you cash flow, you cash flow on day one, right? Like mm-hmm. a fifty thousand dollar property, your payments are what seven hundred fifty bucks, like you can swing that, right? In two thousand seven, so if I would have just bought all those houses at eighteen percent, I'd be doing pretty good, particularly since all those houses for fifty thousand are like four hundred something thousand today. I'd be oh, sitting gosh. pretty.
1: I see. <laughs> I see. What um, I mean, man, you, you've had a, a crazy journey. And I, I do like to talk a little bit of failures before we swing over to successes. But mm-hmm. what's one of the most memorable failures that you have from your real estate career?
0: Uh, memorable failures? Uh, I mean, there's a lot of failures. Um, I would say probably the biggest consistent failures. Um, it actually kind of goes back to rigging the game is making decisions based off few data points. And what I mean by that is, all right, we had two good months in a row or we had a record month followed by another good month, right? So what do we do? Now we're MC Hammer, right? Now we're raising our expenses, we're hiring these people, we're buying those things that we were wanting to buy, this data source, this lead source we were wanted to get, we get that lead source, we hire these people and we raise their expenses quickly Right. Because, hey, we're this awesome real estate investor now. Right. (laughs) But then the revenue goes back to where it was. Your expenses don't. And so I would say I've made that stupid boneheaded decision way too many times. Uh, And every time I've done it, it's been okay. But last year, it really sucked. (laughs) Right. Um, Last year, when the market took a big dump was not the time for one of those uh, boneheaded mistakes. So I would say the, the failures I make, which I learn now, is not to raise your expenses, to match up what you believe is your new reality. Let's give that business three to six months to I really see. figure out if that's your new reality. If that's consistent. Or yeah. did you hit a good streak? So that I would say that's a consistent mistake. But last year or a year and a half ago, I hired all these people, built out this entire media team, spent fifty k remodeling uh this building here, uh doubling the size of our office, right so to add i don't know to spend fifty k on a remodeling job on a building that's not yours uh and then adding i don't know thirty forty thousand dollars a month in overhead probably wasn't the right decision <laughs> right? <laughs> hindsight yeah. man.
1: Well, I mean, I guess kind of on that note, knowing, you know, you knowing what you know now, you got a ton of experience and mm-hmm. you know a lot of life lessons. Um, you know, the whole the classic, you know, if you could tell yourself, you know, when you're a kid, but not, not even that. I want to go back to when you started real estate. If you could give yourself some advice when you started real estate, mm-hmm. uh, knowing what you know now, what would what would some of those tips be?
0: Don't be a realtor. Um, okay. so that was the other one. All right. So I was a realtor full-time for nine years. So, so like that was a lot re- of wasted time. Sorry. To yeah. Ask. I consider that the last decade, you know? So, uh-huh. um, I went reading rich dad, poor dad to get into real estate, to buying rental properties to become a realtor. Like why that has nothing to do with rich dad, poor dad. Right. And so I would say, you know, uh, again, it kind of goes back to what I was talking about reading the game is always being focused on the task at hand, being focused on the why, why did you get into the business? more time, more time, freedom, money, freedom, relationship, freedom, uh, freedom to do whatever you want, whenever you want with whoever you want. Right. Like that's why generally most of us get in the business.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Right. Being a realtor doesn't do any of those things. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> so true. <laughs> so
0: I would say, you know, uh, going back, I'd be really, really clear on what you want. And uh, another question, you know, I was talking to my wife the other day and she was saying, you know, what do you think is different between you now and you a couple of years ago? Like what's to stop you from making another, you know, crazy monumental uh, mistake. Right. I was right. well, I'm asking myself different questions now. And she's like, what questions were you asking before? What questions are you asking now? I was like, well, Good back then the question was always, how can I make more revenue? How can I grow revenue? What can I do to drive revenue? Right. That was the question I was asked.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Now I'm in my forties. The questions I'm asking are how can I grow profit with less risk? -hmm. How can I grow profit without making without adding risk? It's a different question. Yeah. Yeah. How are you coming about the answer to that? Uh it's slowing down, and that's why I was saying I'm talking about rigging the game, right? Slowing down, like, hey, get some data points. Make sure this is actually what you want to do. And when I'm talking about data points, I'm not talking about analysis paralysis. That's not what I'm talking about at all, right? It's just establishing the rules before you do something. Like, hey. What information do I have that leads me to believe that this is going to be a good idea? Uh, What time frame am I willing to establish where if this doesn't accomplish this goal by a certain time, we're going to just, you know, table it? Uh, What are the resources we're willing to dedicate to it? And what resources are we unwilling to dedicate to it? Because one thing I did a lot in, in growing, you know, having multiple businesses is, okay, well, we'll rob Peter to pay Paul temporarily, right? But what happens? We're starving the profitable business of resources, right? Right, whether right. it's time, attention, money, or people. And so we're starving this other company to get this other company off the ground. Whereas now it's like, okay, well, before we do this other thing, well, we got, we got to be very clear: we can't use the resources from these other companies. I see. Right? So we're establishing the rules before we even start this other. I day. see. I see.
1: That that that's that, that makes total sense. It. I feel like you know, for my previous business ventures, I've had partners, and um, they never worked, and you know, worked out, and you know, sh- some I'm sure was my fault, some was their fault, and whatnot. But yeah, going into this new partnership with Tanner, I, I, I want to say I, I knew kind of what I wanted, you know, through all those those past mistakes, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we kind of rigged the game um, on
0: our yeah. in our behalf. So I, that makes right. total sense to me. And a lot of what I said probably sounds like common sense, but we we are not commonsensical when we're (laughs) in Mm. in the thick of it. It's so true. Yeah, making those decisions um what
1: what are some of the, the freedoms i guess let's go happy talk because i i love hearing lifestyle i love hearing and i think it's inspiring especially mm-hmm. for you know newer folks or folks that are you know just getting some momentum as tanner and i are in our real estate business we're you know it's cool to go to arizona and see jamil's lifestyle it's cool to mm-hmm. to hear about some of the stuff you guys are doing and these crazy trips and just your relationships yeah. what are what are some of the freedoms that real estate's afforded you
0: I mean, I guess the biggest thing is I get to do what I want as far as spending time with my kids. So I am not this lifestyle, lavish lifestyle, whatever, right? I'm not that guy. I don't care for traveling, right? I feel like every day I come to work as a blessing. I get to do what I love to do every single day. Uh, so for me, the biggest thing is I get to spend quality time with my kids. I drop them off five days a week in the mornings. Uh, and then uh, I, we have dinner every night. And on Saturdays, I take them to the kung fu lessons, swim lessons, this and that. So for me, I would say the, the the luxury. It's boring. This is not exciting, but I get to teach my kid valuable life lessons. I think that's for me. That's the luxury I got.
1: That's incredible. I see, man, dude. I um I I I want to transition a little bit to the, kind of back to the the sales training because I'm mm-hmm. um. What is it that, you know, if you're if you're a wholesaler, if you're brand new, let, let's say like we're part of the Astro community, Astro mm-hmm. Flipping. Um, why should we get sales training, right? All we got to do is just keep calling these agents and kind of follow the, the scripts and whatnot. Like, why do we need sales training?
0: Um, it, it's a fantastic question. And really, it just comes down to, I mean, what kind of return do you want on your effort? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when we're talking about sales... We're talking about how you can grow revenue, how you can maximize your opportunities and leads without spending any more money.
3: Mm -hmm. Right.
0: So it's just about maximizing the conversation, connect, connecting with another human being. Like why should that hold, why should that realtor return your call versus all the other calls? Right. Mm -hmm. So why should this buyer buy from you versus everyone else that's sending them deals? Right. So like, um, the ability to have quality conversations and uncovering what is important to the other person is going to help you determine the level of success. So, you know, we talked about poker a moment ago. Uh, the best analogy I can have is if we could play poker and your cards are face up, I should win every time. Yeah. Yep, right. Right. <laughs> and so sales is the ability to have a conversation with the other person where they're opening up completely and you know how to navigate this conversation, right? Hmm. Once I can see your cards, I know how to navigate this conversation. Have you found- Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Have you
2: found there to be a character trait in your salespeople that, you know, you can identify a good salesperson pretty quickly versus someone that you're like, this person's gonna need a little more work. Is there a specific character trait or maybe something in them that um, you've noticed is more successful over
0: others? Uh, so the, the, the it's, it's two words. Uh, the, the things I'm looking for, and I, I, I value this more than anything else, and it's humble confidence. Right? Mm. Like, mm. are you coachable? And are you confident? Right? I want you to be confident, right? Because no one's working with, you know, uh, a meek person, right? right. Soft spoken, quiet, fold, you know, folding like a chair person, right? Like, that's not going to work. <laughs> right? So we need to be confident. But you also need humility to know that you can grow. And so that humble confidence, if I see humble confidence in another person, like I feel like I found a unicorn, like we fit hit the jackpot. This person's gonna make so much money with us. Mm. Hmm.
1: How does a person display humble confidence?
0: They gotta be coachable. They gotta be coachable. They gotta be um, aware, right? Like you ever see like a friend that, that something like, that was totally inappropriate for this moment. Oh yeah. Right? oh yeah it's just lack of lack of you know emotional intelligence awareness right uh i mean like i kind of saw this when i was astro right like the guy took a call in the middle of someone else's presentation right like, oh, that's not awareness right. Right. right 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 and so you know it's, it's how you show up how you present yourself um how you i mean there's there's a the, uh the, the outfit uh there's the eye contact the way they shake their hands uh the ability to say thank you right i mean it's just all these things i think if you could just sum it all together it's humble confidence i see Hmm.
1: i see i love that i've never i've never thought of 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 putting an adjective on the confidence you know i thought Mm -hmm. confidence was good enough but you're right i i yeah. Humble confidence that that would make a perfect uh, the unicorn in, in yeah. the world that we live in. Wow. All right. Because yeah, well, we take... people
0: either like overconfident or they're not confident enough. Right. right. We got to find the guy that's confident, but also coachable.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I get it. So that's the so the coachability is kind of the aspect of the humility. Mm-hmm. Right. Because they don't they they you know, they they know that they are still able to learn it's not like they're just hot shit and you know they've got it all figured out so that's that's where that that humbleness comes in it's in being coachable Mm -hmm. i see okay well on that note let's talk about sales disruptors training because i'm pretty sure that that can help with uh uh at least it can help with confidence in learning sales um and then hopefully you know uh the humility, I don't know. I don't know. Is humility something that you can learn or develop?
0: Uh, either you develop it or it's going to be acquired, mm, <laughs> <Right>? Yeah, that's <laughs> true. <laughs> <More> <laughs> often I wasn't not always acquired. humble, <laughs> right? I wasn't always humble, right? I mean, it took a lot of failure, uh, to, to get humility. So, uh, you know, being hot stuff at ASU and get your butt handed to you in right. grad school, right? <clears throat> Thinking you're going to crush the realtor world, and then realizing, oh, <laughs> it's not just intelligence, right? Uh, right. Uh, so, uh, I, like I said, twenty twenty two, right? Making all this money, and then not. <laughs> so, right. there's it, either you're going to have it, or you, or, or, or God will help you get it. That's just so One true. of those two <laughs> things will happen.
1: Oh, um, that's a, that's a really good point. I. Well, when it comes to, to, uh, sales training, like I said, we, we just recently, um, purchased the sales disruptor, uh, course for our team, for our company and for ourselves. So we're excited. Um, but we don't, we don't have that much context yet to dig in other than what we talked about. Um, Mm -hmm. I would love for you, if you can kind of, you know, I hate to say, you know, give the pitch, but I'd love for you to give kind of the elevator pitch to, to the audience as to why, you know. Why would they, why should they even look into, you know, sales training through, through your organization?
0: Yeah. I mean, I think we touched on it a moment ago, right? Like, do you want a more return on your effort or are you satisfied with the return on your effort? I think that's the first thing, right? Uh, because right. who doesn't want more revenue without <laughs> increased expenses? Right. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, and that kind of goes back to the humble confidence, right? Like if you think you already got it, well then, you know, you already capped out your potential. Mm. Um, and then I think the other thing too is, you know, why me? Well, we talked about how bad I was at sales, right? And so it was because of how bad I was at sales that I spent so much time learning it, you know, at, to, to the level that I've learned it at, right? And like I said, five hours a week for the first couple years with my sales trainer and then being out teaching it to the best in class <laughs> has allowed me, right, to to learn all the different uh, uh, uh tools tactics strategies but not just learning that but also qualifies me to do the, to do the delivery because i've also learned how to deliver it better mm-hmm. right um right one of the things we see a lot is a lot of business owners naturally are good at selling right they wouldn't be at that level if they didn't have to hustle and sell to get on their way there right so a lot of guys can do it on their own when their frustration generally occurs because their people just don't get it I see. Right? and it's like just watch me do it just do what i do it's like no like that's not how that works right can you imagine michael jordan coaching you just do what i do <laughs> it won't, i'm trying right? like believe me jordan i've tried right <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and so what you got to do is you got to find someone who is miserable at it and learned every bit about sales in order to do it at a high level so I would mm. say, you know, the combination between you know what uh, I've done as far as learning it um, and where I've come from. But if that's not enough, you know, watch old footage of me from Closest Olympics. is on my YouTube channel, and watching me just get beat up by all these other homeowners, and watch how I overcame all of those. Right? Like, uh, what was really cool when we did Closest Olympics in 2020 was I got two comments, two feedbacks in in in. Uh, Two pieces of feedback inside the comments, which I thought, you know, both of them were really cool. First one, they said I was the king of awkward silence, which I had no idea, by the way, up until that moment. Nice. So that was cool. Uh, the other one, they said Steve was the absolute best at overcoming objections, which was mm. also cool. But truth, the truth of the matter is, I didn't hear a single objection, and I'm not saying this to brag or say, oh, I eat, obj- I eat objections for breakfast. It's none of that. When you're really good at sales, when you hear an objection. It's just a statement to be investigated further mm. so for we're example you say when you say the house isn't for sale my assumption is oh you sold the property great and they like no the property hasn't sold yet oh okay but you were able to resolve that other challenge when you reached out to us no the problem hasn't been resolved yet i don't get it <laughs> and then they start talking about what's going on and now we walked right past the objection but I don't feel like I overcame an objection. I was just curious, right? You know, operating with childlike curiosity, figuring right. out why the house isn't for sale anymore. Set in my way, using ourselves to, uh, techniques to get there, but investigating what they're telling us. And we can investigate what they're telling us. We can get to the truth of the matter, which goes back to us talking about playing poker with the cards face up. Right. Now that we've gotten to this point, I've already seen two or three of your cards. I'm in a pretty good spot. Right uh, to continue navigating this conversation, so I think you know going back. If you watch <laughs> close to the Olympics, you'll see us exercising uh, the techniques that we we teach.
1: I love the poker analogy. Yep. Like, that's so good. Um, so what is your what is your ideal student look like? You know what I mean. That look like, but you know what I mean. Like what what are their character traits outside of humble confidence? Like if I'm going to buy your course mm-hmm. and get the most out of it what do, what actions do I take? You know what I mean?
0: Um, Like what kind of actions do you mean? Yeah, that's probably a shitty
1: way to phrase this question. So essentially, you know, like for, for Jamil, you know, like if if I were to ask Jamil, hey, um, you know, who's your ideal Astro student? He would say, hey man, it's someone who comes into the community. They pour in, you know, they're selfless or, you know, so who's like your ideal sales training sure. candidate?
0: Uh, So I would say the ideal sales training candidate is someone that, I mean, this, maybe this is just too broad, uh, but this is someone that wants to get better at sales. Okay. Uh, And uh, this is, it's it's probably too broad. Maybe we could do a better job uh, of buttoning it down. Uh, But, you know, for me, from my experience, sales is happening anywhere and everywhere. And it's only if you're unwilling to acknowledge that fact, uh, that you're, if you're unwilling to acknowledge that fact, you're just hurting yourself, right? Because like, Mm -hmm. We're selling our kids, we're selling our spouses, we're selling our team members, we're selling our parents to watch our kids, whatever, right? Like we're selling all the time, asking for a late checkout, asking to sit in the emergency row, right? Like all these things is sales. And so if you're not willing to get better at communication, then I don't know what else I can do to help. I'll give you another example, right? So you saw my daughter, you met her uh, at the event. So she's 12 and she's going from her, her, her school right now, which has a gifted program and she's going to a more challenging school. Right. And the idea is that she'll do better in high school and college, whatever. I don't even care. It's just important to my wife. Right. Okay. And so, um, so my wife likes like, Hey, you should go to the school. And my daughter's like, I don't want to go to the school. Cause I know it's gonna be more work. It's more homework. I'm going to be leaving some of my friends and all these other, all these sound, logical reasons why you shouldn't switch schools, right? right? So my wife really wants this. My daughter's like, hell no. This doesn't make sense. I don't want to do it. right? She's adamant. But I also know that she's a lot like me, right? Super competitive, very independent. So after this conversation's done, right? We're at dinner. I decided to her, hey, Amelia, that's okay. You don't want to go. I thought that school is probably going to be too hard for you anyway. And she's like, I'm going to that school, <laughs> right? <That's> awesome. <awful. laughs> right? So it's we're selling right all the time. It's whether you want to acknowledge it or not. And so if you don't Uh, want to get better at communicating, well then just stick, stay where the level you're at. Right. (laughs) But
1: how much time uh, should a person expect to kind of, you know, pour into themselves for for this course in the beginning, an hour a day, more or less, or Uh,
0: I would never do more than an hour. Um, I think, you know, you sign up, we get, you get access to all our modules immediately. Um, I think, It's like probably like eight to 10 hours in there, but I would never do more than an hour at a time because when you're in this business, you need to set aside time to prospect, to reach out, to make connections and this and that. Right. Like learning is great. I love learning, but I've also seen people spend too much time learning and not enough time doing. So Mm. I would not do more than an hour, but I would spend at least 15 minutes every day. You know, whether you're completing a module, jumping in the community, talking to other, you know, I like to call them sales assassins from across the country. Awesome. Like you should engage, right? Cause the best way to learn its what, what's what I love about communities. The best way to learn is to go through it together. Uh, um, right. like I said, my sales trainer helped me put it together, but also I was in a room with a bunch of other home guys who are all going through the same struggle. So we're talking to each other mm-hmm. as well. So right. we're learning from the front. but We're also learning from our peers, and so that, again, that really helped me click it, it all clicked together. So, you know, I would say jump in, learn from the modules, learn from Ian, who's doing the teaching as well. And then learn from uh, the community. Awesome. Mm. Um,
1: I know quite a few of our, our friends, you know, in our circles that, that do have a team um, they could really, you know, Use sales training. of fact, we were talking about that over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Just the different ways to train your team. Is there a is there a version of the sales disruptors that 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 is fitting for a team, uh, or or um, or does everyone you know should everyone just kind of get their own, or how does that work?
0: Uh, I would recommend everyone get their own. Okay. Um, so here's what I've learned in, in in leading organizations. We can buy it for them, right, and they can learn that way. And it works. Not saying it doesn't work. Or they can invest in it. And then they really learn it. Mm. Right. When it's their money on the line. They got skin in the so game. Yeah. They got skin in the game. You know? And I remember, um, you know, I was the one that was always investing in myself. And actually as a matter of fact, the reason why I left is because my guy wasn't investing in me. I was just investing in myself. It's like, why am I here with you? Hmm. Right. So, like, you've got to invest resources into your 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 team. But I think A players invest in themselves. And for 97 bucks a month, I mean, like, I guarantee anybody that goes through our program should make an extra fifteen, thirty, fifty thousand dollars a year, if not more, right? Like it's just insane how much sales is in your life. Right. Right. You heard it here I,
3: first, I, folks. Yeah, I was gonna say. I'm
0: sure you've got tons of examples, but we we want to be
1: one for you as well. I mean, mm-hmm. I I love that we we had you on the podcast before we got into the sales training because we're doing it for sure. That's just the way we are with with our company. Um, and so I can't wait to to have a massive improvement, have an incredible story, and hopefully maybe have you back on to, to share you know the the good things that have happened to us since we've incorporated everything that we've learned from your from your sales training. So I look forward to it. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, Steve, I, I thank you. Thank you so much for, for coming on the show today. I mean, it, it's been an honor, man. I, I do have one final question. And it's, mm-hmm. I, I, I take these things from you. I really do. Um, but this one, I, I really am curious to know. Um, so I want to ask you, um, what do you, what do you, what, what's your superpower?
0: Um, so my superpower is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick two if that's okay place. Um I think learning and teaching. Right. So, mm. you know, um I'm able to pick up complex topics and explain it in a manner that is understandable to almost anybody. That's huge.
1: Mm. That's huge. That is definitely a superpower. Yeah. Is there any some that off on me?
0: I know superpower. <laughs> I'm sorry. But like <laughs> sorry. you know, we had um we had a a world-class professor when i was at arizona state who people traveled around the world to learn from this guy right because he's explaining quantum physics it's not a simple topic right quantum physics for sure and he could explain it in a way that just made sense right hmm. so that was definitely one of his superpowers and so but like people again people travel the world for it, and. You know, I am incredibly blessed. People pay me from across the country, they travel across the country, come to my office to learn it, right? So, I would definitely say that's one of our one of my superpowers.
1: That's awesome, man. Was the professor, uh, Michio Cal, Ka- what's his name, Michio Kako, or something like that? Was it him? No,
0: I was no, I was Dieter Schroeder. It was okay, and it was just, I mean, it was just such an unassuming guy, simple guy, right? But like, apparently, he had. I actually looked him up the other day and only sad to find out he passed away in 2012. Um, but like he had all these patents and he was just, again, he could, if you could explain quantum physics so that like a high school student could understand it, like you understand this topic at a high level. (laughs) That's incredible.
1: Yeah. Wow. Well, I'm I'm sure his funeral was very well attended if he had that big Mm -hmm. of an impact on you. So that's incredible. Well, Steve, I, I would love. It. Could you share with the with the family with how they can where, where they can learn more about sales disruptors?
0: Uh, I think the best place is. I mean, I assume you're going to post it somewhere with a link. Absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, we will yeah. definitely
1: have a link.
0: Yeah. So I would say definitely uh, that's probably the best place to go. Uh, and then in the meantime, you know, we have real estate disruptors. It's on YouTube, iTunes, Spotify. Uh, and if you ever anybody ever wants to reach out to me, I am on Instagram. Uh, at steve.trang i try to respond when i can but odds are 90 percent of the time it's my team responding but i do try to respond nice (laughs) well
1: i'm glad you responded because that's how we got you on the podcast (laughs) initially um well thank you for that man and and for those of you who haven't for whatever reason you've living under a rock and you haven't heard of uh, real estate disruptors an incredible podcast it's uh it's it's a it's one that's unique uh to me at least in that it's it's one podcast but different formats you know you, you've got pardon the disruption where it's a group of you know four just juggernauts just titans in the real estate game just talking shit and and <laughs> really dropping really good gems at the same time like it's a lot of fun and you got certainty uh, was it mm. certainty matters right certainty uh, talks certainty talks yeah with mm-hmm. paul i can't remember his name i i, I anyways uh, there's 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 a podcast for every single archetype of person um, Mm -hmm. all in real estate disruptors. So please, please, please check this one out. As soon as you're done listening to this episode. So Steve, thank you so much. And it's been an honor and pleasure to have you on. I'm so grateful for your time. Um, And man, yeah, we're just, we're, we're all better for it. So sincerely, thank you.
0: Thank you. Thank you, Steve. Oh, thank you. Thank you for having me. Thank you, Tanner. It was good seeing you guys again. Uh, It was only a few, just a few short days ago. So I appreciate meeting you guys face to face. At your most right. mastermind and then and here again. Likewise, likewise. Look
1: forward to part two when we when we're crushing it in sales. Hopefully we can get you back on then.
0: I mean, <laughs> and, once you guys start crushing it in sales, come to my show. Oh, that'd yeah, be awesome.
1: <laughs> that'd be awesome. That'd be a big full circle moment. Well, yeah.
0: well, guys, look, that's a
1: wrap. Look, we want to interview you. Like We we want to sit down and and tell your story. So go out there, crush it, make it happen, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Wholesale Elite Podcast. Until then, peace. What up, Elite fan? That's a wrap for today's episode. But look, if you got value out of the show today, do us a huge favor and give us a review or give us a like or subscribe. Do all the things to help us get the word out there. And Look, we want to see you on the next show. So get out there and crush it, make it happen. Stay tuned for the next episode. Peace.